title of my message today is immunity. Immunity. What does it mean to be immune? Immunity is the ability of a cell to react immunologically, big word, in the presence of an antigen. Immunity is the ability of a cell to react immunologically. That word. In the presence of an antigen. Everyone say, in the presence. In the presence of an antigen. Uh, The condition that permits either natural or acquired resistance to disease. The condition that permits either natural or acquired resistance to disease. That is what immunity is. Throughout this series, Immovable, we've, talking, we've been talking about the position or the role of the church in the last days. And obviously, we started out talking about that there has to be a disdain for sin among the church today. The more that we accept sin, the less effective we are in helping the world. But when we see sin the way God sees sin, we then see people the way God sees people. Okay? So I've got to see sin as bondage. That's why I said uh, today I'm standing in a pulpit addressing a catastrophe, a tragedy that to me is just as bad as a 21-year-old entering a church and shooting nine people and taking their lives. Because the same result will take place. Death. Whether instantly with a bun, with, with a bullet Uh, from a gun going through your head, taking your life, or whether you continue down a path where the devil takes your life through sin. It's all the same to me. It's just as tragic to me. Now, thank God, in this case, we can reach these people before the end comes with the love of God. So we address... The sin issue. We address the fact that you and I are in the earth for moments just like this. That the, the pains, the, the, what, what, what Paul calls the birth pains of the earth is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. That's you and I. They are waiting for us and they don't even know it. And so when the church shies away doesn't want to be vocal, doesn't want to lift up a voice, doesn't want to stand for truth. The world is crying out for such a thing. The catastrophes that we're seeing, such as earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and the destruction of the world naturally, is the world crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. That's you and I. Now, I want you to know that the Bible always gives warning before tribulation. Before trial, before a struggle, God always gives a warning to his church, to his people. There is nothing that should surprise us. Even in these last days, even as the day draws near and and we're seeing more and more things take place that point to the sign of Jesus, um, I, I, I saw a quote, I think I said it last week, where a guy said, we're no longer looking for the signs of Jesus' return. We're looking at them. 
We're literally seeing them take place before us. You know, there's people right now that believe he's coming in September. There's a part of me that says, please, Jesus, come in September. But I'm not putting a date on it. They, they do that because of the blood moons and the different feasts. If you study that type of stuff out, it, there, there's an alignment there. But I do know this. <laughs> You're laughing. We are closer today than we have ever been. Anybody in agreement with me on that one? Okay. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. And guys, I got, I got a lot of word that I want to share today. So... If you don't get there as quick as me, write it down in your notes. You're all taking notes, right? If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far uh, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He's speaking to Joshua. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Have I not just told you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If he's telling you do not be afraid or be courageous, apparently there is something that could potentially make you fearful. He's telling Joshua you're getting ready to take the Israelites into the promised land. Now don't be afraid. You don't, you don't precursor that if there's nothing there. But apparently there was something in there that could cause fear or concern. So what's he doing? He's saying, be courageous, and I'm warning you, there's something in there. But don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. I just want to read this in the New Living, in the New Living Translation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says this. Finally... When we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But know that we are destined for such troubles. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did, as you well know. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Even while I was with you, I was warning you that there would be troubles, that there would be concerns, that there would be trials and tribulations. But I have sent somebody to you to strengthen you so you wouldn't be shaken. 
Remember, we're talking about immovable. We're talking about immovable. We're talking about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But that tells us that there's something that wants to try to shake the kingdom of God. The, the, the kingdom of God has been trying to, be, to get shaken ever since its existence. They've tried to get rid of every single Bible on the planet, and we only produce more. They try to get rid of Christians, and we only produce more. They try to get rid of the church, and we only produce more. They cannot get rid of us. We are immovable. We are a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm encouraging you today. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. This is Paul speaking. He's at the close end of his ministry here. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except. He doesn't know exactly what will take place, but the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Once again, God is warning of tribulation. God is warning of tribulation. But, haha, none of these things move me. I am immovable. None of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 17, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, they all give us warning of tribulation to come. You've been forewarned. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. Only healthy people have strong immune systems. Only healthy people have strong immune systems. Immunity is the ability to fight off an attack in the midst of attack. See, the church wants immunity that relieves the attack. Immunity is not the absence of attack. It is the response to attack. Immunity is not the absence of attack. It's the response of attack. We've already been warned. We've already been notified. We've already been given the letters and the writings and the teachings and the prophecies to show us that tribulation, trial, and struggles are coming. But we ought to be immune to it. That doesn't mean they won't come. That means that we have a response. 
we have a response to the attack. Matthew chapter 24, turn there. Matthew chapter 24, in verse 9. Matthew 24, verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. (laughs) Anybody getting moved (laughs) yet? And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But look how he ends this. He who endures... To the end shall be saved. Immunity helps you last and outlast. Immunity helps you last and outlast. Anybody as a, as a kid get immunizations? Right? It's to what? Help you fight off the attack later in life. You have to build up an immunity to it. I remember when my dad went overseas uh, 14 years ago, 12 years ago to Afghanistan. He had to get a series of immunizations because he was going to a country that had a lot of stuff that we don't have in America. So he had to build up a tolerance, build up an immunity so that when he got there, he could fight off the attack. They didn't put him in this big bubble suit and say, we're going to keep you from all the stuff. That's... No, when the stuff tries to attack you, it won't harm you because you've developed an immunity to it. See, hiding in here is not going to keep you from the attacks of the world. What will keep you is getting your immunizations. Growing immune to the attacks of the world. Without resistance to attack, you'll be moved. Without resistance to attack, you'll be moved. And remember, a sick church can't help anybody else. See, my dad was over there fighting for this country. And he can't fight if he's sick. So he develops an immunity to something that tries to attack him. Therefore, he can do his job. We've got a job to do. But if we keep getting moved, if we keep getting shaken by all the different attacks and all the different agendas and all the different things, this is just the beginning, guys. This is just the beginning. Wait until they come and say, you know what, I'm in love with this man and this woman. We're all in love with each other, and we all want to be viewed as a marriage. We all want our rights, too. We want to be able to buy a house together. We want to share property together. If one of us dies, we ought to be able to split that between us. How come they get it and we don't? This is just the beginning. And if you keep getting shaken and moved by these things, he said, And Paul said in Acts chapter 20, I don't know what lies ahead, but the Holy Spirit testifies and tells me there's chains and tribulation coming. But none of this moves me. What does that mean to get moved? It means shaken off of your purpose. 
shaking from your purpose. He says, none of this moves me. None of this keeps me from being purposeful with my life. I was listening to a minister do some Q&A. On the, he was ministering on the, last, on the end times, the last days, and he was doing some Q&A, and someone raised a question and said, you know, now that we know that Jesus is coming back so soon, what, what, what should we do? And he said this. He said, nothing. If you're going to get married, get married. If you're going to have kids, have kids. If you're going to buy a house, have a, buy a house. If you're going to start a business, start a business. Nothing. Live your life. Be purposeful with what you have on the earth. And when the time comes, the time comes. See, that's what happens is when people put dates on this stuff, it moves people to shut down rather than, but Jesus said, occupy till I come. Him who I find so doing when I return. Is your candle going to be lit or are you going to be hiding out? Immunity helps you last and outlast. See, you've got to understand, the devil is defeated, guys. He is defeated. He is a conquered foe. He has nothing on the kingdom of God. There's nothing he can raise. There's nothing he can do. There's no agenda too strong that he will ever overcome you. So our goal in life is to outlast him. To withstand in the evil day is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. And without a healthy immune system... You won't outlast. He, Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, see, we always thought it's what we did at the beginning that saves us. And Jesus is saying it's what you're doing at the end that saves you. Jesus is looking for people that will finish strong, that will outlast and last in the last day. He who endures to the end, will your heart grow cold? Will you become bitter and angry? Or will you do like Paul says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience, their own conscience, Christians that do not have a stance or a position against sin have had their conscience seared with the hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused. If it is received with thanksgiving, it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished. How many of you know nourishment is necessary for a strong immune system? If you eat uh, uh, hostess cakes and uh, Tootsie Rolls all your life, you will not have a strong uh, uh, immune system. You will not be able to fight off attack. So you need to get in a church that's teaching the whole counsel of the word of God. Okay. (laughs) But reject profane and old wives' fables. 
exercise yourself towards godliness. How many of you know exercise is important for a strong immune system? Bodily, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. If you want to operate in life today and later, you've got to have some exercise of some godliness. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, to this end, to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Guys, I'm telling you right now that, uh, and Doug Jones said this past week, he said the Bible speaks more about abandoned beliefs than it does about unbelief. The Bible has more to say about those that will fall away from the faith than those who are coming into the faith. And there is a need, a need for a church that is immovable upon God's word. See, when you're immovable, you're not like Ephesians chapter 4 says, tossed to and fro by every wind. Of doctrine, Many of you remember John George who was here last fall. He, sa- he, he says this, that verse does not say every wind of false doctrine. There's some doctrines out there that it may not necessarily be false, but it's not the whole truth. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, an acceptance for anything that is not in the word of God is a rejection of the word of God. An acceptance for anything that is not in the word is a rejection of the word. His word cannot be added to or taken away. We need a church that is going to be immovable upon the truth of the word of God. So guys, this immunity, this immunity helps us last and outlast the last days. And we need an immune church. Immunity doesn't mean forget Christianity, I'm going to go live my sin life. It also means falling away from the faith. Conjuring up your own doctrines and belief systems. There's pastors that I used to listen to in the 90s today that are preaching doctrines that are so so far out there. It'd blow your mind. The things they're preaching. And I know their background. Uh, we're seeing this today. And they're preaching. And they're preaching in pulpits. And they have nice houses. And they drive nice cars. And they have big churches. But that is not the determining factor. Truth will always be the determining factor. Paul said this in Second Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Guys, we have to be able to keep the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Keep the faith. 
fight the faith. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 says this. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle. See, I, 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 wish, I, I wish we gave more warning to that. I, I don't do that in our vision partnership class. Uh, you know, when we bring new members into church, I don't let them know. Now, look, great struggle and tribulation is about to come upon you because you just joined the church. I, I don't do that in a new converts class. Hey, welcome to the kingdom. Get ready. You're about to get beaten up. You're about to get an attack. But he says, recall the former days after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Just for being associated with a believer, you'll get treated like one. For you had compassion on me in my chains, joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. Guys, the church, more so than ever before, has a need for endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, after you've done the will of God, what do we do after we've done the will of God? You may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If anyone draws back. This is not a word we draw away from. This is a word that we stand on. We are immovable. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Go up a little bit before what we just read. And I don't do this a whole lot. I don't have a problem doing it because I'm a pastor and I have no problem telling you what a pastor is supposed to do. We've done series on the church and the body of Christ and the role of the pastor. And, and what you know, it's not self-serving. And this isn't about Mark Brady. This is about pastor. And when I'm operating in a gift, I'm not just me. Now, a title is the lowest form of leadership. But this isn't just a title. This is one of the five-fold ministry gifts given to the body of Christ in Ephesians chapter 4. And everybody needs a pastor. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Are we seeing that today? And he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers that don't gather. But exhorting one another and so much more, so much more. As you see the day, capital D, day, approaching. The New Living reads it this way. And let, us, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. See, that's nothing new. It, it wasn't just because we started putting uh, our messages out, uh, you know, our, our little videos 
our live streams. And, you know, I'm not going to go to church today. I can just listen. I can watch it on, on the Internet. They were doing it in Paul's day, neglecting the coming together, as some people do. But encourage one another. This is a time of encouragement, guys. Are you discouraging each other or are you encouraging each other? Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Especially now. Even more so today. There needs to be an assembling of the local body church together. Now I want to tell you, people don't just fall away because they choose to fall away. People don't just fall away because they say, I don't want to believe that stuff anymore. No, it's because they got shaken. It's because they, came, they became moved. And you become moved when you don't have a firm foundation. And there are Christians today that don't have a firm foundation. Don't have a firm foundation because they are neglecting the spiritual disciplines of Christian living. Spiritual disciplines of Christian living. Reading your Bible. Praying. And attending a local body church. And not just attending, but getting plugged into and serving and unifying with a local body church. And in the last days, the church will not be effective if we have no strong discipline in the word and in prayer. And if we're not connected, I'm going to tell you right now, the devil is looking for those that are isolated, alone, that he can pick off. He never attacks those close to the shepherd. Now, I'm not the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. But I serve under Jesus. And as a pastor, I take this role and I take this responsibility very seriously to shepherd the flock of God. A pastor is to feed, grow, and protect. And if I ever stop doing any one of those three things, I'm no longer a pastor. That's my job. I don't do this for the money. I don't do this for the fame and the glory. I don't do this for the title. I do this because God called me to it. And because I love his people. And I love his flock. And I want to tend and take care of his flock the way he tends and takes care of his flock. And so I'm letting you know today that there's a necessity more than ever, it says, to be in church. Watch this, guys. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me just give you a little background. Ephesians chapter 3, Peter and John, after just having received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. I say Ephesians, Acts. Acts. Acts chapter 
4. Is everybody in Acts chapter 4? Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon the 120. 3,000 come into the kingdom in one day. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John go out, just having received the Holy Spirit and boldness. See a man sitting at a gate, gate called Beautiful, of the temple. On the way to the temple, on the way to worship God, they see a man that's sick and lame. And they say, hey, we, we, we don't have silver and gold, but what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he jumped up. He leaped up, was healed. Now, I know we get all excited about that, but some people were not excited about that. And they arrest Peter and John. They arrested them. And so in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, they're arrested. They stand before the, the council there. You think people would be excited to see a miracle, a sign, and a wonder? Oh, if we could just have miracles, people would just come flocking. Nah. They'll come to watch, but they may not like what they see. And they most likely will not like what they hear. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it says, They called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, they could have killed them right there on the spot. They could have. They just killed Jesus. Why wouldn't they kill them? But they sent them out and said, Do not teach or speak the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. That's the only reason they didn't kill him on the spot was because there was a crowd. And Peter and John eventually got theirs. Uh, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now, most of us would run away from there scared, crying. I'm leaving the country. Forget this. I love God. Jesus loves me. We're good. I'll just wait for Jesus to come home. And it says here, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever 
every your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Grant us boldness to continue speaking in the very name they told us not to speak in. And then give us the ability to heal and do signs and wonders. The very thing that just got us arrested. Wow. It's amazing what will happen when you'll come back to your kind. And the very opposite happens. When we stay away. Now, yes, I'm the pastor of this church, and I believe that we're one of the greatest churches in this city. I I feel like I can have that. I know there's other great pastors. I know there's other great churches, and, 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 and I have great pastor friends in this city. Pastor Frankie, the Vision Church, Pastor Tyler at Northgate Church, Pastor Wayne Hughes of uh, uh, the Church of God over uh, off of Bemis, great friends of mine doing great works for the kingdom of God. But if you are at this church and you're a vision partner at this church and connected to the church, you need to be here assembling together. If you're waning, if you're struggling, if you're, you're feeling uh, hard-pressed by the things of the world, come together. We will encourage you. I'm sorry if you went to a church that was discouraging. I'm sorry if you went to a church that was disbanded and had little cliques uh, and groups across the place. But this is not that church. We are here to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world for the kingdom of God. When you get your eyes off of what's going on in here and what's going on out there, you'll find there's very little time for fight and strife in here. When you remember that there's a greater cause out there. See, that's what they're doing. It's not about us. Paul said, I count my life as nothing. None of this moves me. And look what happened as a result of them coming together and praying. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They weren't shaken. The place was shaken. Even when there's shaking going on around you, you still remain fixed and immovable. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Immunity. Immunity. How do we respond in these last days? Do we get alone and isolated? Do we feel like we're doing it all by ourselves? Do we operate out of hatred and anger? We get out on the road with signs and talk about God hates homosexuals. What an abomination. This is Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. Look, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to look like cotton candy and marshmallows compared to what's coming in the tribulation. The fire and 
brimstone fell from the sky and burned up the entire city. Could you imagine a city like Atlanta just being burned up because of stuff that's falling out of the sky and every single person dies? But see, that doesn't move us to say, look at me, I'm right. I'm on this side, you need to be on this. No, that's saying, God loves you, man. God has such a plan and a purpose. Do you realize you are stuck in something that is thwarting God's plan for you? He sent his son to die on the cross for you, man. He has already laid his life even while you were a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all done wrong. But God has delivered me. The freedom in my life today is only because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's only because he sent his son to die on the cross. His blood covers me. And now I live redeemed. Now I live restored. Now I live delivered. Now I live with a hope and a purpose. Now I get to know real love. Not a fake love. Not a pretend love. Man, you can have this too. I love you. What you're doing is going to hurt you, man. It's killing you. That mouth, that, that mouth that just keeps cussing, you got to stop doing that. That is hurting you. That's hurting people around you. You're living with your boyfriend. You, you can't do this. It's hurting you. It's killing you. That sin is destroying your life. But God has got an answer, man. He loves you so much. Love the person. Hate the sin. But we've got to be a church in the last days that stays centered. It, guys, we, we really make it simple. We really do. We have one year Bible reading plans on that back wall back there. It tells you what to read. I mean, it's, it's, it can't get any easier than that. And again, I'm not saying that condescending. I'm saying that, that we know that it can be tough to develop a disciplined regimen of being in the Word. That's why we do that. I, I, I have the same struggles. Don't think that because I'm a pastor, I, I sit up here all day just reading the Bible and praying. There's plenty of days I get home and I realize... I haven't even been in the Word today. I was working on the finances. I was working on this new program. I was working on this new series. I was, and, and, and there's so many things that can accumulate our time and our lives, but we have to be in the Word. You will fall away from the Word if you're not in the Word. And guys, you got to be here. you got to be here as much as you can. I know it's summertime and people are traveling. But as much as you can, don't say, well, I'll just get it online or, you know, I'll, I'll get the notes on you version or I'll, I'll, I'll go, go to coffee with some. Be here. I know it can be hard getting the kids together. Be here. I know it can be hard uh, uh, just, you know, on a weekend. You got all kinds of things. Going, but make a priority. The assembling of ourselves together in the last days has got to increase, not decrease. got to be effective. got to be effective. Come down real quick, just for a moment. The next one is prayer. The next one is prayer. 
Guys, it's important to pray. I have taught series. Go online, please. If you do not know how to pray, if you don't know where to begin, if you don't know what to pray, it's all there. This is a church that wants to help you apply stuff. I don't sit up here and say, I'm the super spiritual person. Now you need to be like me. I say, we want you to have practical ways to fulfill this stuff. Now, it's going to take a level of discipline. There's no level of practicality that I can give you that will override a level of discipline. But we want to make it easier for you. But we've got to be praying. And here's the thing. Don't pray about stuff. Pray for stuff. There's a difference. Dear God, I... Thank you, you remove our president. I, I thank you that you just smote him on the back of the head and get him, you know. No, pray for him. Father, I thank you for our president. I think you give him godly wisdom. Even when he doesn't even know what he's thinking or why he's saying this, he's going to say it. I thank you you bring people along his path. I'm going to tell you, we're getting ready to enter an election. Let me just tell you. Do not vote someone into office because they promise you money. Do not vote someone into office because they promise you jobs. Do not vote someone into office because they promise you better health care or less war or reforming taxes. The number one thing that we need in this last day is a man with a moral check in his spirit. You need to know where they stand on abortion. You need to know where they stand on marriage. You need to know where they stand on prayer. You need to know where they stand on God. That will override whatever. They're giving you promises they can't bring you anyways. So go ahead and get a godly man in office. And I can tell you right now, there are several of them. This church does not tell you who to vote for. But I can show you. I will definitely help you find the men that stand for the right thing. I won't tell you what to vote for or who to vote for. That's not my place. But I can give you some aids if you don't know. But in light of prayer, I'm calling our church to prayer. Now this isn't for everybody. If you have young children, I'm encouraging you not to come. Not because they're a distraction, not because we can't take care of that. But I, I want this to be a very purposeful time. But your spouse, I, I would encourage you to make the sacrifice of maybe you drive separate. We're not doing it forever. For the month of July, every Sunday in July, we're going to open up this sanctuary for corporate prayer at 8.30 a.m. 8.30 every Sunday morning. Now, what's corporate prayer? Well... I'm going to take about 15 to 20 minutes and teach on prayer because I haven't done it in a little while. So we know what we're doing. But if you do not have young children, I am encouraging you to be here every Sunday morning in the month of July. Four Sundays. Is it four? Four or five. No more than five. Four Sundays. That's all I'm asking. 
the Lord has not directed me that this would go on any longer than this. But for the four Sundays in July, 8.30 to 9.30, we'll have corporate prayer. I'll open up, I'll teach a little bit, and then we'll pray together as a church. Now, we have Wednesday morning prayer for those of you that can make it at 6 a.m., and that's always happening. But we've got to make a step here. I, I, I just felt in light of what's taken place in the last couple of weeks in our nation and in light of concluding this series today that we need to make this step. And for you couples that have young children, may, maybe you alternate and the husband comes once and then the wife comes with the kids later or, or vice versa and you alternate every other week. I, I don't know, whatever you work out. Obviously, I'd like as many people as can be to be here. But I know that, you know, I mean, we, we have a young child. My wife most likely will not be here. Now, if you have older children, I would encourage you to bring them. I started sitting on the pew with my mom on Tuesday night prayer. Every Tuesday at 7 o'clock, I was probably 6, 7 years old. Let's sit right there. Encourage them to pray. In your homes, you need to be praying. As a family. Well, I have my prayer time. I get my coffee together. and I, No, as a family. You need to be praying with your children. What are we passing on to the next generation? So I'm making that call corporate prayer beginning next Sunday, July 5th and every Sunday in July, 8.30 a.m. right here. It's going to be a powerful time. It's going to be a powerful time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. Father, we thank you that you are sending your son the soon and coming King. But Father, until that day, we have work to do. We will occupy till you come. We'll occupy till he comes. He will find us busy, productive, effective for the kingdom of God. You gave to your church the power to loose and to bind. Father, we declare as a church that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through us, through our lives, through this church, direct us, lead us, guide us. Father, I thank you that you strengthen us in these last days. These words of encouragement, these words of comfort, these words of peace, I thank you that they are words that we take to heart we can live this out before the world today. We're not moved. We're not shaken. Thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.